This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's another Buckeye football futures. Well, I'm glad we took the F out of that. That was needlessly confusing, right? Needlessly confusing Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com. He's Stephen Means. We're talking recruiting again today. We're giving you a double shot of that this week. This Tuesday podcast will be about recruiting. We're going to still do a Buckeye Football Futures again on Thursday. So we're cramming a lot at you, but it's just a, such a busy month that we thought that it was worth doing that. Doug Mitlamery is still on vacation for those of you tuning in, but he will be back uh, starting next week. So look forward to that. Stephen, we just had a huge weekend for recruiting. Not necessarily yet as of Monday afternoon when we're recording this has not yielded any commitments that we know of, at least none that are public, but a big recruiting weekend just in terms of getting guys on campus or at least getting them to the area for the Buckeye bash. So just from your observations, you know, watching it on social media and the reactions that are going back and forth, the people you've talked to since then, I guess here's my first question. Did everyone visit who was supposed to, did they get the hall that they were expecting just in terms of visitors? Yeah, from a target standpoint, yes. I think the only person who had to opt out, <clears throat> excuse me, was CJ Hicks because he's still running track right now. But uh, so that's why he was here during the middle of the week last week for an unofficial visit, so he could get up here. Him and Gabe Powers. But other than that, um, just because Ohio high school's track is still in session, everybody who is important from a target standpoint, <clears throat> excuse me, Zach Rice, Amaria Boer, Xavier Nuampa. No- <clears throat> Emil Magner, oh, Wagner, all of those guys were up here. So, yeah, they were still on schedule. It's just they didn't have their leader because, you know, he's playing another sport right now. Do you think that matters? I mean, do you think it's important that he – I mean, because he already has a connection with these guys. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's that it sort of helps you enhance that, I think, if you get to be here and be the ringleader in person. Yeah, I don't know. I still think – if you ask me who the most important recruit is, he's, it's still him for a lot of different reasons other than just – He's a five-star recruit, but no, I don't think so. One, because, yeah, he's got a great relationship with Washington. If he really wants to go to Gabe, talk to Gabe Powers, they live like 30 minutes from each other, so it's not that big of a deal. So, no, I think what was more important, and as we get into this, is there's a reason why Zach Rice and Amaria Bohr were here this first weekend because you also had Quinn Ewers and Caleb Burton here who are also national five stars. So it was more, it's for Ewers and Burton, they're from Texas and they live 30 minutes, 40 minutes away from where Abora lives in Duncanville, Texas. And so it was more important for one, those Texas five stars to all be here together. But then it was also just as important to have the number one tackle in the country here when you've got, you know, the number one player in the country here. So from that standpoint, that was way more important than having the guy who talks to these guys every single day through a group chat here. Well, more to the point, not just having the five, those four five-star guys here at the same time, but two of them are commitments 
and two of them are still targets and, and important targets. I mean, especially Zach Rice. So, I mean, that, that's part of it too. It's like you're, you're trying to set up a sales pitch more or less that your own recruits can give to those guys that haven't committed yet. Which is why when people ask the questions, oh, man, should we be nervous because, you know, this kid's going to this school before this school or after that school or Alabama has the last say. For Ohio State, it's way more important to look at who is coming with who. And let's just bring up C.J. Hicks again. He's already rescheduled his official visit for the 18th, which is a smaller group, but he can focus and be a little bit more assertive with those kinds of guys. Typically, you do want to spread out your commitments between all the official visits to your point. You want them peer recruiting and doing all that, but because of what we're coming off of, they wanted as many as possible to be here the opening weekend. But more importantly, yeah, you want the five stars with the five stars because that's what's going to get you more five stars. I don't who know how else? many more times I can say five stars in one sentence. But <laughs> <laughs> who else is visiting on that 18th weekend? So the big one there is Kojo Atui and Twi. Excuse me. Kojo had some spicy food for lunch. He's a top 100 wide receiver in that class and one of the two wide receivers that they're looking at to be that third wide receiver. Obviously, Caleb Brown is here right now, but he'll be here on the 18th. Jake Pope, the safety, was a bit of a low-rated prospect, but as we've seen with guys like Kai Stokes and Ryan Turner, uh, Keon Grays could be a late riser or just be a diamond in the rough that they find as a three-star guy. It might end up outplaying his ranking by the time he gets here. And then Dallin Hayden, one of the two or three running back targets that they're still highly in on, he'll be here as well. So that's a much smaller group. When you're talking about these big recruiting weekends, that's probably the smallest one with only four guys here. But it's better to bring C.J. Hicks in, in, in that group where he can just focus on those three guys but then also get maybe a little bit more time without Washington than he would get in some other weeks. Isn't there uh, somebody else visiting on June 18th? There is. There is. That was a good That was good. That was a good segue. Those are the 2022 guys coming on 20, in June 18th. The Big Fish is also coming in 2018 to try to finish out that 2021 class with JT Tumalau. So, yes, obviously, by then, every single other person from the 2021 class will be on campus. Mike Hall just moved in last week. Guys are still coming. The summer guys, and obviously, the early enrollee guys are here as well. But, listen, why not have another five-star along for the ride? And C.J. Hicks, who you know is – so now you've got Jack Sawyer, the five-star from the 2021 class in the state. Paris Johnson walking around, obviously, who's already been here and is – going to be a starter next year and now cj hicks and everybody else and it's kind of an all hands on deck situation you got the voices of ryan day's first three recruiting classes all here along with larry johnson who gets to be one-on-one hands-on with jt tumalau and say their last pitch before obviously he goes to alabama and to finish off his recruitment schedule as you watch the guys the prospects communicating this weekend and a lot of it is the you know everybody's putting out their picture in the mm-hmm. uniform and all that stuff what kind of got through that filter, though, the, 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 the cynical filter of, of people like me? What got through that to you and were actually things that maybe were important, things that you saw or heard or maybe conversations you've had since then, things that you thought resonated from this past weekend? Yeah, I think Abor getting a chance to sit down with Larry Johnson and be face-to-face with him is extremely important because that's what Larry Johnson does best as a, record, as a recruiter is when he's hands-on, whether that's, you know, getting on the field and taking you through a workout or that's just having real-life conversations with you and showing you why every player that comes through here looks at him as a father figure. And that's what, you know, Nick James and Amari Abor got. And so maybe it changes their aspect a little bit. Now, of course, they have to you know, calm that down and going about their business. But for a guy like Nick James, he's been around 
Larry Johnson once, and that's when he got the offer. He'd never met Ryan Day in person, so this was that opportunity to do that. But then for a guy like Amari Abor, this is more an opportunity for him to, to just be one-on-one with Larry Johnson and see, oh, this is the personality and the reason why he turned Nick Bosa and Joey Bosa and Chase Young into what they were. And then to a lesser extent, Jalen Holmes and Tyreek Smith and Tyquan Lewis, why they have become the players they are is because the personality I'm talking to right now. So when you get to sit down and have film with Larry Jonathan, that stuff matters. I think this is a big recruiting class for stud, obviously, because he's got Tegra Tishabola there, who's his commit, and he's got Zach Rice, who's like the big fish there. But then he's also got George Fitzpatrick out of Colorado there as a top 300 offensive tackle so all of his focus was here this weekend so this is his opportunity to get his hands on those guys get him around some five stars get him around the other guys on the team like Paris Johnson Thayer Munford uh, Harry Miller and those type of guys and so this was a big weekend really for the for the line of scrimmage, if we're just going to be honest here, for Larry Johnson defensive line and then Greg Stradrawa on the offensive line and then obviously getting the rest of the commits around each other as well. I don't know if we've ever fully articulated that, but I think it's worth bringing up because I know there's people who cover, or I'm sorry, people who follow recruiting more intently than others. To me, the, the most significant thing about the official visit, other than the fact that I guess the team can pay to fly you out, all that stuff, whatever, it's you're, you're embedding with the team. I mean, you're getting to, you're, you're spending the night with a player or players like they're hosting you and they're taking you around, but you're just, you're, you're, you become a part of the team for a couple of days, essentially. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not in terms of you, you haven't, you haven't earned that right to put the, 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 the insignia on your chest or whatever, but you, you get embedded. They, they bring you in, you, you get to just hang out with them and be guys for a full weekend. And I think that really matters for, Maybe it's, it, it, it changes from recruit to recruit, obviously, but for some people that really matters, like who you can actually get on, who you get on campus and who you feel comfortable around and who you really resonate with. I mean, from talking to athletes over the years, I've definitely had athletes tell me like, you know, I went on my official visit here and I just didn't get a good vibe there. And I went on my official visit to this place and that's why I'm talking to you now because that's where I'm committed. So how much do you feel like, how crucial is that? That like, that now that the dead period is over and you get to start having these official visits again, that it's it it goes now beyond that coach relationship and you get to actually go build connections with the actual athletes on the team it's seeing exactly what it means to be a a student athlete at school x right so for ohio state it's a busy day for them when you come on these official visits it's not like you just walk around the stadium walk around the woody you take some photos and you go home you're sitting in meetings you're watching if you're coming during the springtime you're probably attending a spring practice right now you're probably just going to watch workouts and stuff you're meeting with coach mick mick marotti and his staff you're sitting in your position room obviously you're putting on the uniform and getting what that feeling is like you're talking with ryan day you're getting a you're going around the campus and seeing everything that, that that comes into being an Ohio State football player and it's for some guys it can be almost that, that punctuation of I think I love everything about this school but I need to see it I need to see exactly what it means to be an athlete here and then I'm all set and ready to go or you could be that guy like Caleb Burton who has already decided yeah this is where I want to be and then after you come to it and after you come take your official visit you walk away like yeah I don't want to talk to any more schools and you shut off your recruitment 
And you see that a lot with players. You often see that after official visits. This kids will come out who are already committed and say, my recruitment is officially shut down. And that's what you saw with Caleb Burton. And there's probably some other guys as we get deeper into it. Quinn Ewers has kind of been doing that already. And he doesn't talk as much, but he's probably in the same place at this point. And we'll, Tegra Tishabola has pretty much come out and said that. So as you see all these other commits get on campus in the next coming weeks, guys like Ryan Turner and Jaheim Singletary, they'll probably come out and do the same thing. Or you might see them, you know, kind of fall back a little bit if that's how they feel. So this is almost official business or a checkpoint at this point. It's either you're in or you're out after you've gotten a chance to get on campus to this capacity. The, the Caleb Burton news, how significant is that? Did you think that that was something that sort of needed to be said at this point, that he was locked in? And have there been any other similar things you've heard coming out of this past weekend, guys sort of reaffirming that commitment? I think it's pretty big. I think this is the number one wide receiver in the country. And I'm not just saying this because I cover Ohio State. I'm saying that is because he was the number one wide receiver in the country. And then he had a knee injury. So, of course, if you're not playing, people can't evaluate you. So you fall off a little bit. And the fact that he's only fallen down to number four amongst wide receivers says something. And he's pretty – I mean, Garrett Wilson, that name has been thrown on him pretty much before he even just decided to transfer from Del Valley to Lake Travis. So that's big. That's a big deal whenever a player wants to do that because you don't technically have to come out and say it. You can just not talk to anybody and continue on with your life. You don't have to come out and say, I'm shutting off my recruitment. That's what Steve Day Hicks did last summer, and that was big because that's the best player in Ohio and you want him to do that. When you're talking about this wide receiver room, when you're seeing the way Brian Hartline is, is going after these five-star and top 100 guys every single year, when the best one in this recruiting class decides, I don't want to talk to any other schools. I'd rather put my energy and my focus into helping build this class and building a relationship with Brian Hartline. And he says that 24 hours after he gets a face-to-face meeting with Hartline, Coach Mick, and Coach Day, that's a pretty big deal. So we're coming up on 4 p.m. Tuesday, Monday for this Tuesday podcast. Um, If you have not tried the text yet, 614-350-3315. If a commitment does come in between now and the next time we get to do BFF, that's where you'll hear about it first is Steven through the text. 614-350-3315. None yet, but anybody in particular that you are kind of on commitment watch about, we're we're seeing the the players uh, tweet about boom or whatever so they feel like something is imminent whether that means that there's already been a soft verbal whether that means that they're hearing from players that were there that oh I'm gonna go home and talk it over but I'm pretty sure what I'm gonna do whatever like who are you thinking who, are you, who who's your antenna up about so I'll discuss Zion Branch first because I think that's what everyone's thinking about because Crystal Ball started popping up on his name as soon as he got he went back home to Las Vegas his is interesting I I mean I don't think it's gonna pop but I wouldn't be shocked if it does and this is a situation where whether he pulls the trigger or not what we have to keep in mind is he's going to Alabama and Clemson in November for official visits so that's a whether he decides to be in the class now or not that's a long haul that's a long haul for Ohio State to make sure that not only he he stays favored to that he commits to Ohio State but stays favored and stays committed to Ohio State through those through, through the next six months so yes the crystal balls are important and yes, them offering his little brother, who's a top 100 wide receiver in the 2023 class, Zachariah, is important. But that fight is not over just because he does pull a trigger, whether he does or not. The guy I've always been interested in, though, is Xavier Numpa. 
the number 71 player, the number five safety in the class. We talked about him a lot and how he is everything they need in that free safety, single high safety position out of Iowa. In fact, he's pretty much Josh Proctor reincarnated in, in the sense that Josh Proctor was a top 100 safety coming out of Oklahoma in 2018. And before him, no one from Oklahoma had ever come to Ohio State. And no one since from Oklahoma has come to Ohio State. Xavier Numpa is kind of in the same position right now as no one from Iowa has ever come to Ohio State. Now, there's a 2023 offensive tackle who's a five-star in Caden Proctor who might follow him. But for right now, he could be the first guy to come through that door. He's been crystal ball to Ohio State for months. And he fit that term of a guy where, as talking earlier, all he might needed to see to pull the trigger was to, was a commitment was was to get on campus and come for an official visit. So that's a guy I'm going to be keeping my eye on for the next couple of weeks, especially as we get into July, and we get to the point where we should be expecting this, this July to be a fruitful month for Ohio State. That's one guy I would keep an eye on. Another guy is Emil Wagner. Ohio State is in a position right now where every single year they seem to lock up their state under Ryan Day. That's something they've made a point. They've got three of the top four players, and then three of the top seven and then four of the top seven players right now by adding Emil Wagner, a top 100 tackle, you would now have five of the top seven players in the country with the other two, Caden Saunders and Drew Allard going to Penn State. And so that, that's something Ryan Day wants to do. If there's top 100 guys in the state, they need to be Buckeyes outside of obviously a quarterback and wide receiver where you want to go national and get the best guy possible. So that's a guy to keep an eye on as well. He's got, he's had some crystal ball since he got offered a couple of months ago and he's really high on Ohio state and CJ Hicks is one of his best friends. So that would continue to work that one. So those are the three guys I would keep an eye on. I'd be less shocked if Xavier and Emil do it while with Zion, it's like, whether he does or not, that's a long, that's a going to be a long game type of recruitment there. And not something that just because he commits wherever he ends up committing, if he does it in the next month, you think that's over with. And should people expect those things as early as this week, the commitments could start coming in, or is it a situation where a lot of these guys were visiting Ohio state first, and there's going to be some other visits that they want to take, even if they think they're going to Ohio state. Yeah. I, I wouldn't bet on my money that we're going to see any commitments this week. Honestly, I don't, I, any, we might get one or two this month, but I think these kids have waited, what, 15, 16, 17 months to get back on campuses. It would be kind of counterproductive to just jump at, at pull the trigger at the first shiny thing you see because it was the opening weekend. And it was a good week for Ohio State. I'm not going to say it wasn't a great week. And they got a lot accomplished and all of these players left and went back to their respective homes happy. But, to bring, Xavier's got Texas A&M coming up this weekend, and the next weekend he'll be in you know, June 18th. He'll be at Notre Dame. Emil Wagner's going to Kentucky this weekend. Then he'll go to Notre Dame on the 18th, and then Penn State on the 25th. Zion Branch, I just mentioned, he's got Clemson and Alabama in November. Well, on the 18th he'll be at Oklahoma, and on June 25th he'll be at USC, where he's also got some crystal ball. So that's one thing to take. These kids want to take these visits. It's been a long time since they've been able to do it. So they want to take advantage of that and make sure they're making the best decision for them. And so one or two this month, maybe, sure, I won't be shy. But honestly, I think the bigger fish to fry will be in July after these kids have gotten a chance to see, see a lot of these schools and then they can make like educated decisions. After the break, we're going to look at what is coming up this week for Ohio State, which is more day camps the next couple of days and which is some important visitors throughout the week. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. Steven, last week you got to go to the first Ohio State day camp of the season. That was last Wednesday. And now they're going to be doing Tuesday, Wednesday all month, basically. So you're going to get two this week. Just why are those important? Or I guess maybe in particular, who do you expect to see this week that sounds like they're going to be a significant visitor? 
Yeah, Trayon Webb, the number you know four athlete, the number thirty four player in the twenty twenty three recruiting class. As we were sitting down to record this, announced that he has arrived. Another guy from Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville, Florida. Ohio State's had some success with guys from down there. Sean Wade is one of those guys. Marcus Crowley, I believe, is one of those guys. Uh, I think before he went into the portal, uh, Tyreek Johnson, I think, was a Trinity Christian Academy guy. So Ohio State's got a pretty good relationship with those Jackson, that Jacksonville, Florida high school because of Kerry Combs, which that has now opened back up because he's back on this campus. And so that he'll be here. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's attending a camp tomorrow. He's taking an unofficial visit today. So that's one guy I'm really excited to see. He's a running back. He's listed as an athlete, but he's going to play running back in college. And another guy to – to Sealy Akana out of Hawaii, which Ohio State has some success in Hawaii in recent years. He's a four-star linebacker in the 2023 class. He will be here on Tuesday as well for a recruiting visit. So those are two guys of a long list of guys. Those are two guys I'm really interested in seeing because those are really high Ohio State prospects, especially if you're coming on unofficial visits. But those are some Tuesday guys that will be here. There will also be some guys here on Wednesday as well. There's visits throughout the week, too, though. It's not just there are some official visitors, some unofficial visits. Who is coming in uh, in that regard? So the big one is obviously Caleb Brown, who got here today. His is more of a, a one-day thing where he'll be here on Monday. He'll also leave Monday. That's a battle between Ohio State and Michigan. And that, like I said, a top 100 guy could be Ohio State's third wide receiver in that class. So that's one guy to look on. And then obviously as we get – Closer at the end of the week, you'll see guys like Carson Hensman, the inside linebacker, show up. Wilfredo Ibarra, the edge rusher out of, out of Connecticut, he'll come a top 150 player. Austin Jordan out of Texas, a defensive back that has built a great relationship with Kerry Combs. Jalen Early, Duncanville, Texas, who was teammates with Amari Bohr, another offense, interior offensive lineman who's a top 200 guy. This week's not going to have as loud as, as far as from a star standpoint. There aren't a lot of top 100 guys coming. But, you know, you need depth at positions. And this isn't going to be a 15-person class. We've talked about it maybe being 20. I mean, that's still five more people than what 15 would be. So keep an eye on those guys. And then the one commit that is coming this week, week is Ryan Turner out of Florida, the number 380 player, the number 35 uh, cornerback in the class, one of the more recent commitments that Ohio State has got. So he's the, he is the representative for the class this week. As, as kind of fitting, given where some of these other guys are rated right now, it's kind of fitting that that's the guy that you pair, pair with this group of recruits that's coming in for officials and unofficials this week. You mentioned Caleb Brown before. Just kind of remind people why he's an intriguing prospect and how he might fit at Ohio State. I think it's interesting because for a long time, we weren't sure if they were going to add a third wide receiver in the class, given the room and given the fact that you've got two quality options. You've got a guy who's probably going to be the number one wide receiver in Caleb Burton and also Keon Grays, where it's somebody kind of asked the question and I kind of phrase it where it's you're losing Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson after this season and you're replacing them with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. I'm not saying they're going to be as good as those guys. What I am saying is their playing style very much favors those guys. And so you didn't, it didn't seem like they needed to go get a third guy given what the room was going to be. Then you lost Jamison Williams. And so all of a sudden you probably have some guys that you are zero with zeroing in on anyway and that you were already had a great relationship with and so you just kept in contact with those guys Caleb Brown is a number 63 player and a number six wide receiver so it's not like they're adding uh, the number 400 player and the number 27 wide receiver to make up for the fact that you lost the top 100 receiver 
you're replacing it with another top 100 receiver who, who might be a slot guy who great hands, but it, it, there seems to be a feel that he might be more Mookie Cooper, Jalen Gillish. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think he's Mookie Cooper, Jalen Gillish. I think he's in the same vein as Jackson Smith, McJigba, uh, Keon Grace, Caleb Burton, Garrett Wilson, where you can play him inside and you can play him outside, which is what Ohio state wants. They don't want guys who can be a H back anymore. They want, versatile guys where you can put them anywhere on the field where if you feel like one year you want to put Garrett Wilson in the slot and start somebody else outside you can do that but you can also throw a Garrett Wilson back outside and put somebody else in the slot he fits under that category why do you think those comparisons were there to like the Gill and um I can't remember who else you said Mookie Cooper Cooper yeah Gaylor yeah um why why do you think there's those comparisons there just size or similar size and just how they're used. But one thing you've got to remember is Jalen Gill is from the Midwest. So there's not elite passing offenses. Mookie Cooper obviously is from Missouri, where it's better passing offenses, but it's not Texas. And then I'll throw DeMario McCall in that, who's also an Ohio guy. So they were wide receivers basically who were used more as running backs in high school and being out of Illinois, St. Rita, which is obviously a more elite high school football program in Illinois, but it's still Midwest football where as his coach admitted, they use him a lot more as a running back at times than they do as a wide receiver. So when you hear that, you think, oh, this is another H-back who's going to come here and get buried and then leave after a year. No, he's a wide receiver for sure. He's just their best athlete, so they find a million ways to get him the ball. But he is a pure wide receiver, and that's what he's being developed to be as an Ohio State football player if he chooses to come here. The official visits thing is, is interesting to me just because, in, especially in football, I feel like so many official visits happen after the commitment. It's almost like in basketball, I feel like it's almost the other way. The official visit is like your chance to really seal the deal. And it is sometimes in football, as we're seeing with JT Tumalau and some other players. And obviously the pandemic threw things off. But I assume there's a sliding scale for this sometimes. Like a guy is committed and he's coming for the official visit because he can. And there's guys who have committed, but you need that official visit, right? To kind of lock them up. Like which, where on the spectrum does Ryan Turner fall in that? I think he's probably more like you need it to lock it up, right? Because that commitment, he got an offer and then he built a solid relationship with Kerry Combs and then committed basically in like a four month span. But that relationship's through Zoom and through text message. Sometimes you got to see somebody in person and that goes for both ways. That's where the recruit, you got to see where you're, it, you can only go, the, the, the J.K. Dobbins, Travion Henderson story of I committed and never took a visit is great, but at some point you got to take a visit, which is why Travion Henderson still came up here, even if it was a self-guided visit, which is why J.K. Dobbins still took a visit that fall before getting here on campus. For a guy like Ryan Turner, you can have all the faith you want in Kerry Collins, but until you get up here and you have an opportunity to sit down face-to-face -face with him, he can see how you're developing physically, and you can see what the program is. I think you have to sometimes put an asterisk by the commitment sometimes, which is why it was so important to get Kai Stokes up here because he was in the same vein, a guy who committed to Ohio state literally six days after he got an offer. And so that's great. That's a great story. And it's a cool thing to talk about, but it was also just as important where a month after he commits, you get him up here, you get him around Kerry Combs so he can go, yeah, I didn't just jump the gun. This is actually what I want. And that's the vibe around Kai Stokes. And that's hopefully what will be the case with Ryan Turner after he gets here this weekend. There was a really good question asked of Mark Pantone, I guess it was um, a little over a week ago when we talked to him, right? A week ago, Friday. And uh, basically like, hey, you're getting all these kids. They finally are getting on campus after all this time in the dead period. And as a school, you've obviously 
extended them a scholarship offer. So that means you have some level of interest in them coming to play football for your school. But what do you do in order to make sure that they're committing the right time, the right way, and not jumping on an offer too soon? And that the decision is being made with the right mind. What, from the guys that you've talked to, how much of that, is there a process there that you go through? And maybe you can kind of explain it to, again, to our, our listeners, some of whom may be more savvy about this than others, but that, that is a thing, right? That like the, the teams mm-hmm. sometimes are, they, they want you to commit at the right time because they don't want to have to go through the whole catch up and recruit your spot later. If you weren't the right, if it wasn't the right time and you end up backing out. So let's use Desan McCullough as a great example. Cause he's been all of that and more because of some outside forces. He got an offer and was ready to commit on the spot. He didn't want to go anywhere. He's an Ohio kid. By like born and raised, he just his dad's a foot, we all know that his dad's a football coach, so they move around a lot. But he is an Ohio kid, they didn't allow they didn't let him commit, they wanted to build the relationship first. And really, that's the way Ohio State goes about their recruitment. When you talk to a lot of these kids, when they get offers, they're shocked because it's cool that they got the Ohio State offer, but they're not shocked it came because by the time they get the offer. They'd already been talking to these coaches for two or three months. Benji Gosnell used to talk about that. I have a great relationship with, with Kevin Wilson already. We've been talking two, three months before he even decided to send out the offer. So by the time I got I wasn't shocked I got it. I was just shocked because it's so cool that I have an offer from Ohio State, which is what most of these kids are going to say. They don't just look at a kid once, then pull him in and go, hey, here's your offer. That's not Ohio State kind of does things. And every school is different in that way. So they wanted to build a relationship a little bit more with Desan McCullough. And then after two or three or four months of doing that, that August, then you saw him commit. Then you saw him go to work as a commit and trying to help build this class. Now, because of some unforeseen circumstances of his dad, who was Dylan McCullough, who at the time was the running backs coaches for the Kansas City Chiefs, you can't expect him to go back to be the Indiana's running backs coach. That's not something you ever can predict and happen. So that happened. So now he's out. So now the question is, does Ohio State feel the need to go get another linebacker or are they just happy with what C.J. Hicks and Gabe Powers bring to the table along with anybody else who's already on on the on the roster along with what they might get in 2023? So he's a perfect example of that, of how contact is made usually through somebody following somebody on Twitter and a DM or whatnot. There's a relationship that's built for about two or three months. And then the offer is sent out. And then more of the relationship is built. And depending on where everybody's head is at is when the commitment actually comes or it doesn't come. And then from that point, they become just another peer recruiter. So there is a process to this past. Just I offered you and five weeks later you commit. Even with Kai Stokes, it seems crazy from the outside looking in that a kid who earned an offer commits six months, six, six days later. But that relationship had already started to be built months before the offer was actually sent out. They just wanted Ohio State wants to see some things from a physical standpoint and they also want to make sure from a background standpoint this is a kid that they want and this is something that the kid wants that's why when you're reading various recruiting sites or you're reporting about this you'll see sometimes the term committable offer that it's mm-hmm. it's and i know that can be confusing for people but that's the difference right as opposed to like there's an offer that expresses our high interest in you and then here's our offer that we need you to take this spot and lock we're the, you're the guy we want for this position this a precious spot that we have open in our class for this year. Yeah, there is almost, there's probably five guys a year where the offer is committable the moment it's extended. And those guys are usually named Quinn Ewers and Jack Sawyer and Paris Johnson. If you're the number 
181 player in the country, there's probably more of a relationship. And even with those guys, there's a level of a relationship that's already built. But you better be a no-brainer prospect if you're getting the committable offer off rip. We're going to take another break. We're going to come back after, and we're going to answer some of our texter questions. They teed up a couple for Steven, and we appreciated that. We are going to answer them right after the break here on Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. This is sort of a mini rapid fire. We're going to do a few questions here for Steven. He has not seen these yet. I did not send them to him ahead of time. So he is completely unprepared, which is actually uh, bad hosting on my part. But we're going to go with it because uh, <laughs> none of these are – Doug would love it, though. <laughs> none of these are, are real brain teasers, I don't think. Uh, but I think you can give some good insight. This is from the 419 – uh, hey, Buckeye Talk, can you explain crystal balls and their validity? You talk as though they're a big deal, but how often do they pan out? This is actually JJ from Northern Michigan. And, Stephen, you actually explained this a little bit on one of our recent uh, BFFs. But, again, kind of tell people, when when you're seeing crystal balls pop up for people, and we're, we're partners with 24-7 Sports, we have a relationship with them, and they're the ones who – I think really kind of own that crystal ball terminology. I think other sites have other things that they call it, but when I think crystal ball, I think two, four, seven. So when you see a, they go onto somebody's site and it says he has four crystal balls to Ohio state and three crystal balls to Oklahoma and one crystal ball to Arizona state or whatever. And and there's numbers associated with that. Just what does that mean? Or what, what should it mean to a reader? How much should you, how much credence should you put in those crystal balls? Yeah, I think through the recruiting process, crystal balls are almost like momentum until somebody actually it's, 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 it's momentum and it's buildup. That's all it is. It's a player's leaning this way, a player's leaning that way. This school is favored. That school is favored. And it can change over time. I'll use another person, Tristan Lee. His momentum went all over the place during his recruitment, whether it was Clemson, Oklahoma, LSU, Ohio State for a small amount of time, and then back to Clemson. It's just, all it is is momentum back based off educated research. It's not like no one's just throwing. I'm not looking at Walter Nolan, who, by the way, has just said he's shutting down his recruitment, which means that um, if I had a crystal ball, I'd probably place it on Florida, given that he's saying that for 24 hours after leaving Florida's campus. But I wouldn't just recklessly place a, oh, Walter Nolan's going to USC without knowing enough information to actually do it. So there is some education. It's not just random darts being thrown out at some of the best schools in the country. And so all it is is momentum. And they, they're not really interesting until you see multiple for a school. And I think one of the best things that 247 Sports has done since adding these crystal balls is updating it where you have to put confidence. You can't just go, Quinn Ewers, I think he's going to Ohio State. You've got to – it's out of out – of, it's a – scale of 10 and obviously if it's eight nine ten you're pretty confident that Quinn Ewers is going to be a Buckeye um if it's one or two it's like I think it's going to happen but it's probably not strong yet and you see that a lot of times Zion Branch had like really low confident crystal balls for USC for some time now before he got to Ohio State's campus and so what gets interesting is when you see one it's like let's just use Quinn Ewers okay if Quinn Ewers has eight crystal balls right now, and they're all Ohio State, 100% Ohio State, because he's a hard commit and nobody thinks he's going anywhere. To the point of this, if you see, if one day I'm just exploring Quinn Ewers' 247 sports page, as I tend to do sometimes to make sure everything's cool, and I see at the bottom of it, hmm, Bob Michaels has crystal balled Quinn Ewers to Texas. 
I take a mental note of it, but it's nothing. It's just one person and you don't make much of it. So, but you keep it in the back of your head and then you go back maybe two or three days later and see if anything's changed. And with like the Sam McCullough, you saw the one Indiana one pop up. And then you saw another one pop up. And then within like a four hour period, you saw like six, seven, eight Indiana crystal balls pop up. Now that's real. That's real momentum because everything just swung extremely fast. And that's how this works is you can't really pay attention to one crystal ball because that's one person's, you know, thought process of it. But when you see six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys all having the same thought process of a guy, there's something there. Cause that at that point it's it, where there's smoke, there's fire. And so that's when you start to pay attention to it. So all you look at it as is just momentum for where a recruits, you know, process might be headed in any given direction. I often express my skepticism in certain aspects of the recruiting analysis industry or whatever you want to call it. However, I will say, I I think the accountability on this stuff is is fairly good. I mean, these guys, uh, like you say, you have to put your name on it. You have to put a a confidence level on it. Uh, You have to, I think they track how good you are at at picking those over time. Right. I don't know if 247 does, but I know some of the other, I believe yeah. some of the other sites do, and two four seven, yeah, two four seven does. So there, there's accountability there, right? And that's way if you're if you're a guy who is just throwing darts, um, that's going to affect the uh, percentage that you have and how seriously people take you as far as someone who's doing that part of their job. So I, I think there is, I think that part is positive. That I, I think it is worthwhile to have a a tracker like that because how these classes come together is important. Doug's talked about that many times where the, the process of recruiting is almost more fascinating than what the class ends up being. Everybody's going to have, obviously it's going to get 20 some really good football players every year, but how did that class come together? That's almost the more intriguing thing to, to me as a journalist. And I think to a lot of fans sometimes because why were relationships built? Who did they go to, to, to build those relationships. What were the dynamics, you know, this domino fell over here. You know, Walter Nolan is clearly seems like he one time was a Ohio state target, a big Ohio state mm-hmm. target. Now it seems like that is falling by the wayside and Zach Rice is risen. Well, why is that? What, what, what chicken, the, the chicken before the egg kind of thing. How did those, those things come together? That is, I think more fascinating to people. And that's something that you can sometimes get from watching those crystal balls develop over time is, is sort of seeing those, that roller coaster ride a little bit. It's interesting to watch to the point of how they got into the class, when they joined the class and mapping. That's almost it. One thing you do see when you look at a, a, a school's classes, you see when their commitment date was, because it almost tells a story in its own right of where Ohio State's focus was. And Brian Day has uh, in the past talked about it's mo- the most important things to get are somebody on the defensive side and somebody on the offensive guy side, most likely a five-star kid. And they lead the class together in 2021. You kind of, you saw that at its best degree with Jack Sawyer and Kyle McCord. And now in this 2022 class, you're seeing it with CJ, CJ Hicks and Quinn Ewers being the cornerback and the five-star linebacker along with. So that's the more interesting thing of to, when you want to tell a story of a recruiting class, when did the guy get actually commit, but then also how did, what led up to that commitment and what happened after that commitment? Moving on to another question. This is Don from the 614. Typically each class has an early commitment who is a leader slash recruiter. You were talking before about CJ Hicks being that guy for 2022. Is Sonny Styles that guy for 2023? For people who aren't familiar, Sonny Styles is an in-state safety, a, a big prospect for this class um, uh, from Pickerington Central. By the way, I've been to Pickerington a few times. I live here on the kind of the east side of Columbus, mm-hmm. so I've been over to Pickerington. I think it's a pretty nice place. It is. It's a very nice like place. It. 
tell us about Sonny Styles, and do you think he fits into that question that um, our our texter Don is asking? I love this question because yes, he does. He was there last was that Wednesday or Tuesday, whenever the fourth was Wednesday. The days all yeah, thank you. The, the, the days all run together. He was there yeah, last for Wednesday. All, by I, the way, to interrupt you, for all the people who are wondering why we were talking about Memorial Day on Monday's podcast, it's because we had stepped into like this Groundhog Day thing yeah. where we were recording podcast two weeks ahead sometimes two a day and we didn't know what day it was we literally like had just forgotten there was a whole chunk of that podcast actually that i cut out talking about monday's podcast um the market down monday about the next big 10 coach to leave you probably wondered why we were talking about memorial day in there and so are we because we had just forgotten that it was on this monday and not last monday so you're not crazy we're crazy that's why that happened anyway i'm sorry go ahead and finish telling us why sunny styles is like the cj hicks of this class no, it's crazy. It's like we try to pretend like we're recording it at a certain time. I think we should just buy into it and be like, listen, we're recording this on this date, so you're going to deal with some of the th- stuff we talk about. But to the point, yes, Sonny Styles is – he was there last Wednesday for the first day camp working out with Kerry Combs and there for an unofficial visit. He's got a slate of other unofficial visits he'll take as well. I think he's coming back to Ohio State. But, yeah, guys, he it, – it's a list. It's like four guys who are – primed to be the Jack Sawyer, C.J. Hicks, Paris Johnson of the 2020 class. We kind of talked about this on a pod back in the spring, the idea of the five-star in-state guy to lead your, to lead your recruiting classes. Sonny Styles is the best version of that as a number 15 player and the number one safety in the 2023 recruiting class. He's the little brother of Lorenzo Styles, who was a 2021 commit to Notre Dame. He is there right now, and he's the son of Lorenzo Styles Sr., who played at Ohio State. So, yeah, th- that stuff does matter. It's him. It's Brennan Vernon, the number 18 player, the number six defensive lineman, a five-star guy out of Mentor, Ohio. And it's Luke Montgomery, the number 15 player, the number five offensive tackle out of Friendly, Ohio. And it's Josh Padilla, the number 125 player, the number six inside offensive lineman in the country out of Wayne, Ohio, which is the same high school as Emil Wagner. Those are, the, those are your guys. Those are your top Ohio guys right there that Ohio State, if – as soon as they're ready to commit and Ohio State's ready for it, you're going to see it pop. Those are the guys where in a normal situation, they'd already be in the class. Because we saw Jack Sawyer committed, I think, in February of 2019. C.J. Hicks committed in May of 2020. So that very early on in the process, that's what you want from these guys. You want to get them locked in early as top Ohio guys that you want who also play positions of need within those recruiting classes. And then they're the leaders and they know that they know that they just also know that they're not being rushed because we're coming off of a pandemic and they want to be able to do their due diligence. But Luke Montgomery has talked about it at length with me. The fact that he is well aware of what his role in the Ohio state recruiting class is going to be. If he chooses to come to Ohio state, Brendan Vernon kind of under that same bump, same vein. He is well aware of what his role is going to be in Sonny Styles and Josh Padilla as well. They know what it is. So yes, to the point of who are the CJ Hickses of this class, those four. Why is it so important that those guys are in-state guys is just because you're more likely to get a true Ohio state zealot as a five-star if they're an in-state guy, as opposed to a guy who I'm trying to think like a Wyatt Davis, who mm-hmm. is, a, was a great or even Chase Young, you know, great, national prospects but having to come from out of state they have to be lured to Ohio State in a different way than your Jack Sawyers your CJ Hicks your Sonny Styles. yeah I think some of it is just you know you got to lock down your home turf when you're Ohio State, especially when you're the only power five school in your state you can't let these guys go all over the country you can't let Jackson Carmen go to Clemson top 100 guys got to stay home when you're the only power five school in your state so it starts with just that 
that that just simple way of putting it. But then there's also you're right. You have to sell. You sell Luke Montgomery differently than you sell Nicholas Petit Frere because this is home for him. So it's a they, they you can sell them differently on being committed here, but then they can sell your program a little differently because it's 45 minutes down the street. So you can touch them whenever you want to. Chase Young, he guys like and Wyatt Davis, they get here when they can get here. But Luke Montgomery lives two hours away. He can come down to Ohio State's campus whenever he wants. Sonny Styles lives 15 minutes away from the campus. Guys like those and Jack, him and Jack Sawyer and Brennan Vernon, those guys who can get here whenever they can get here. One, you can start their development early, which leads to what we saw Jack Sawyer doing in the spring game and what our expectations are for him as a freshman. But then also, you're not as worried about those guys because you can always touch them. And there's, the earlier you can start the development with these Ohio guys, the better. And wrapping things up, we have Andrew from the 330, and I'm glad he asked this question because I think it, it uh, fills in something that we kind of skipped over. What do you think of 2023 five-star quarterback Dante Moore? This is a uh, quarterback out of Detroit. Uh, does Ohio State want him over everyone else? How does Ohio State stand with him? Answer that question, but then also, when we did the positional breakdowns, I don't think we did quarterback, and it was partially because Ohio State already has its 2022 quarterback, so there was – not a lot of intrigue as to what was happening with recruiting for the 2022 class. But, and, we, and we've talked about, uh, in, a, in a broader sense, we talked about 2023 in terms of the level of quarterback they might go after, what their uh, situation is with Arch Manning. We've touched around it. So sp- speak specifically, I guess, about Dante Moore, anything you know about him, but then also what you think Ohio State, again, is doing for 2023 at quarterback because it is a little bit complicated. Another thing that's delayed, I think Dante Moore was supposed to be here last Wednesday, so he, he, but he ended up going to a Michigan event, event instead of coming down here. Obviously, he's from Detroit, Michigan, Martin Luther King High School, number five, a five-star recruit, number 14 player, and a number three quarterback in the class, which before I get into that, shout out to 247 Sports on updating some of its classifications for positions, man. There's no longer a pro style and a dual threat quarterback. You're just a quarterback, which is, yeah, it's 2021. You're quarterback. You got to be able to do all of it to play a high level college football and get to the NFL. So there's no reason to have those two or, things separate. Or if you can't, it should affect your rating. We should stop pretending like someone who is just a drop back passer, but is ranked like the number three drop back passer in the country yeah. is somehow like better off than getting maybe like the ninth dual threat because the game is right. kind of advancing. Yeah. You, as a matter of fact, you kind of have to be a dual threat if you want to be good now. you got to be able to do both. So if anything, that should have been able to pro style and we should have – but anyway, to the point, Dante Moore does not have an offer right now. Ohio State has only offered three quarterbacks, and two of those guys got offers last week. And Nico, Ian Maliva and Eli Holston, both of those guys last week got offers. And obviously Malachi Nelson, who's been crystal balled to Oklahoma for once, was the early guy who got an offer last summer. Dante Moore probably would have left here with an offer had he decided to come down here next week. And I'm pretty sure he'll be at one of these day camps in the next coming of weeks. I think it's interesting. I think the quarterback position is interesting right now because guys have rankings that I'm not sure that they deserve. And that's not directed at Dante Moore. It's just the evaluation of quarterback is different as especially when your head coach is a quarterback's coach, you want to see that guy throw. I mentioned it last week on the Thursday BFF pod, when the quarterback started throwing, Ryan Day was locked in as if he was right at home watching quarterbacks throw, watching Corey Dennis put people through drills. But he was right there the entire time. He didn't walk around other positions. He stayed right there to watch these 2023 20, quarterbacks to see what he liked and see what he didn't like. So with a guy like Dante Moore, 
he's got to get on these campuses before you start. We start talking about him as a prospect right now. I think there's what three or four five star recruits who are in the 2023 class as as quarterbacks. Arch Manning is the obvious given. Malachi Nelson is the obvious given as five stars. I think everybody outside of that, we might see a lot of movement in rankings at the end of this month when 247 Sports Composite Rankings and Rivals and Scout and all these other places start re come out with their updated rankings. I think three through infinity might look a lot differently than they do right now just because a lot of these guys either haven't played varsity football yet or just haven't been evaluated by people yet. Dante Moore and the people like him are almost kind of the test of the theory that we've been sort of uh, sprinkling out there of what we think Ohio State might do next, right? Because you're going to get Quinn Ewers in 2022. You know he is going to be here through at least 2024. So if you're another five-star in that 2023 class, the, number one, how strongly does Ohio State really pursue you? Like how much, how much mm-hmm. recruiting capital are they going to spend on those guys? But then is, would someone actually really keep buying into this Ryan Day thing of just getting somebody like that every year and be like, hey, you know what? It worked for – we'll know by then maybe whether or not it worked or, or we won't. But like that, that would seem to be one of the like next hurdles to cross is like does – do they even really go down the road that far with someone ranked that high? Um, now, the fact that it's Michigan also adds a little bit of gamesmanship to it, maybe. Like, yeah. do you want to be involved in it a little bit just so it's not easy on Michigan? I think there's some games that get played in recruiting sometimes like that. Even if you aren't, like, fully committed to – and you know that you're not going to have a spot for the guy to play until three years down the road. But if the guy is interested, like, why not dance? Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see – the type of players Ohio State offers in this recruiting class. Because Eli is 124 and seventh month quarterback. So he probably fits what might end up happening, how we think this 2023 class quarterback might play off. While Nico's, he's a top 50 player, number five quarterback in the class. And as I mentioned, Dante Moore is a five star. So you're right. At some point, the five star top 50 recruit is just going to say no because it's not worth it. And not because he's scared to compete. But because why go somewhere and compete when there's an opening somewhere else, which seems to be where Arch Manning is. It's like, why would I go to Ohio State when Ken Ewers is already there, when Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, and Clemson don't know who their quarterback is, so I can just step in and be the guy. Sometimes like competing, competing for the sake of re- competing just doesn't make a lot of sense with quarterbacks, even if like that's what we want from our quarterback is to be tough. We've also got to be smart about it. And so – yeah, I think Dante Moore is, as he's rated right now, fits that. Does he look at Ohio State's room and go, eh, not worth it? Does Nico look at the room and go, eh, not worth it? Does Eli, as a guy who right now is 124, maybe he ends up a top 50 recruit, maybe he stays put, maybe he starts to move down as they develop over the next two years. Maybe he looks at it and goes, hmm, I'll go sit for a year, maybe two, and then I'll be the starting court and then compete with whoever the 2024 and 2025 guys are. I'll go do that because I know I need to develop a little bit more. But if you're a five-star quarterback, as we've talked about, it might be a situation for you where you're like, I want to start as a true freshman or at worst I'm starting in year two. But even that guy who's ranked number 124 and, and number seven among quarterbacks, I think that guy could be even a tough pull one year after you get a Quinn Ewers type thing. I know it's Ohio State. And I know that guys might make a concession to, to go to Ohio State and, and would make some trade-off as far as immediate playing time. I'm not naive to that. I, I know that that happens at some positions. It's tougher at quarterback when you can only play one at one time. And I'm just looking around to the Big Ten. Like, who else has any – how many other quarterbacks ranked even as high as number 124 in the country are around the Big Ten? Obviously, you got J.J. McCarthy. 
uh, Graham Mertz. I don't know where Talia Tagovailoa was ranked, but I don't believe he was that he high. He wasn't. I don't think he was a top one. Uh, Helensky, maybe. I think he might have been top one. I didn't write down – when we did this a few weeks ago, we were talking about the quarterbacks in the Big Ten. I did not write down his – I think you might be right, though. I think he was fairly highly ranked. And obviously, Hunter mm-hmm. Johnson was, too. So that tells you sometimes what the rankings will get you. Um, but he, but he, but even with Hunter Johnson, he didn't start off in the Big Ten. He went to Clemson first. So yeah, you're, well, but I'm saying, but I mean, still just falls under it that are anywhere on people's rosters. Like you know, I know yeah. Purdue has a four star kid Hellis- named Michael Alima who is ranked number like two sixty one. Mm-hmm. So you're still a four star, but that that's so much farther down the list. And like you got to remember, it's almost more than with quarterbacks more than that number one twenty four. Look at that other number, like the number seven quarterback in the country. Like mm-hmm. the year after they just got the number one overall prospect. How tough is it for Ohio State to then turn around and get the number seven quarterback who, again, knows it may be a junior before he's allowed to touch a football in a game in a real way? It's almost to the point of you saying Dante Moore is the perfect example. He's an, he's Kyle McCord for Michigan in the way that Kyle McCord was for Penn State. It's worth, we, we keep throwing it out there from a transfer standpoint, but just what if he had just picked Penn State out of, out of, straight out of high school? And we're going, man. Penn State's ceiling just got raised because their future quarterback's a starter, whether it's in 2020 or he sits for a year and then takes over the job next year. They're going to have a five-star starter. Michigan, I mean, J.J. McCarthy, we're, we can talk about him until we're blue in the face and how we think he's the future, whether Jim Harbaugh is there or not. What if Dante Moore is next, right? What if he ends up being Michigan's quarterback? What if, or what if Mel Tucker really gets it together? Over the next two years, and he, I mean, that's in Michigan. What if he pulls that kid in because he really got the Spartans together over these next two years and got Dante Moore to believe in him? Now, that's a little bit more unlikely than Michigan get him, but the, to the point, yeah, if when you get these mid these Midwestern kids who are quarterbacks and are highly rated guys, it gets interesting if they don't go to Ohio State and they decide to stay home. Dante Moore, no crystal balls yet, kind of call back to earlier in this segment. Um, and but has offers sprinkled all over the country. But I think what's interesting is you bring up that that Michigan thing. Again, the the important difference is Michigan has their 2021 five star, and then a gap, and then yeah. would be going after somebody for 2023. So it, it's what you've kind of been saying all along that that's really more the natural way of doing this. Ohio State had to overcorrect because of some other problems a couple of years ago to to have this string of guys that they have now. And then now would that almost help a program like Michigan land someone like that. But again, it's, it's not, as long as Ohio state then goes back and gets some for 2024, you're going to say it's, it's not that big of a deal, right? It's just a matter of the, that specific battle and whether it even ever becomes a battle. Yeah. I, I, I said this before, and I think I'm just going to stick to this. I think whatever Ohio state's routine is with quarterback recruiting, whether it is this, every other year go get the five star and then like you just don't get it on the year in between or they just go get them every single year. I think that will be decided by who wins the job in 2022, because I think we all agree that regardless of what happens, this quarterback battle restarts in January. And then like whoever wins it that year, will just have it. I don't think we're all thinking that whoever comes in with the 2023 class is going to restart the battle again. It's either going to be Quinn Ewers for three years or it's going to be Kyle McCord for three years, or it's going to be CJ Stroud for two years, maybe three if he needs to stay through his senior year. And so maybe once this, like, right, you're, you're right. I think Ohio State's still overcorrecting to find their perfect first quarterback as a recruit who's not a transfer like Justin Fields is. So once that gets figured out, whoever takes the field in 2022, we almost look and go, 
all right, did Quinn Ewers look to win the job? Okay, who's the 2024 quarterback? Oh, Kyle McCord won the job. Who's the 2023 quarterback? And so on. I think that's the better way to look at it because by then they'll have it all figured out. And so whether it's Dante Moore in 2023 or Michael Moore in 2024, that's not a real person's name, by the way. That, I mean, it might be, actually. There's Michael Moore is a real Moore. person. Oh, yeah, he me? is a real person. You've never seen yeah. him. Yeah, but From he's Michigan not, also, he's so – yeah, yeah, there we go. Perfect. Yeah, or Michael Moore from Michigan. Michael Moore Jr., who also lives in Michigan and plays football, will Probably be decided by – Yeah, yeah. That's, that's his, dad, his dad doesn't Whoever. look like he played much quarterback. Quarter no, pounders. No, yeah, his dad – maybe offensive line. Maybe guard. Maybe he's a solid, like, second-string left guard or something like that. But to the point <laughs> of, yeah, I think we'll, we'll figure this out a year from now in August when Ryan Day's taking the podium telling us who his starting quarterback is. Well, that really started to go off the rails, so it's probably a good place to wrap up this episode of BFF. But we're going to be back on Thursday with another BFF. Steven and I will sit down Wednesday afternoon after he's been to day camp again on Wednesday. We've got two in two days. Probably get some intel from that. If you've got more questions, things that you want to know about recruiting, and you're a tech subscriber, please text at us. If you have those questions and you're not a tech subscriber, come be one. It's free for two weeks. You can ask your questions and then ditch us. It's it's fine, but come on, try it because you're gonna be getting a lot of updates and analysis and intel and whatever we can give you on recruiting and whatever else is going on with the program today. So again, six one four three five zero three three one five. I'm Nathan Baird for Stephen Means. That was Buckeye Talk. Mm-hmm.